Hello and welcome to Stuff You Should Know About Oil and Gas Production. This is a podcast brought to you by Kimray. You can visit us at kimray.com to see our full slate of resources, tips, tricks, videos, etc. My name is Curtis. I'm here today with Will Swetnam. Hey, Will. Hey, how's it going? You're in person uh, in Oklahoma City at our headquarters. Yep. And then we also have on the phone Ryan Spangler from Kimray. Ryan, tell us where you're at. I'm in Fort Worth, Texas at mm. the Super Doug convention. You all wearing capes? <laughs> nope. It's like a Comic-Con not thing? Today. Not, not today, yesterday. That would have been a great thing to tell, like a first-timer, you know what I mean? Hey, yeah, no, we all wear capes, so just bring your... <laughs> How was your weekend, Will? Any any good stuff? Uh, yeah, I had a great weekend. I have been working on my garage, so I've built some cabinets, and I've got all those hung and painted and everything, so... Do you have uh, furniture like to sit on? Um, I've got an old office chair. Yeah, so. camping chair. And maybe, you know, if I'm here long enough, I'll get one of those cool Kimray uh, shop stools. Stools, yeah. yeah. Good luck. If I see one missing, I know. <laughs> I won't say anything. I gave myself away now. Uh-huh. We talked last week. I'll share my last weekend story. We did, uh, I tried wake surfing for the first time. It was kind of, you know when you play golf and you're like, I'm terrible, I'm terrible, I hate golf. And then you hit a couple good shots and you're like, oh, I, I can do golf. this. I'm going to sell everything and just invest in my golf game. <laughs> That was kind of the experience I had. I've never been uh, on a lake very much, and it was terrible for a while. I couldn't even get up on the thing, and then uh, and now I'm just like, all right, I, I think let's go to the lake every weekend now. But that probably won't happen. So we're talking today about liquid level control. We have just come out with a product called the Gen 3 liquid level controller, and uh, has been doing really well and, and gotten some good customer feedback and, and um, positive I think momentum with it, and uh, it sounds like uh, customers are benefiting from it. And and uh, so we wanted to to talk a little bit about that product, but we also want to talk about just level control in general and what customers can do to you know tips tricks to to solve issues that they're facing and challenges that they're facing with their liquid level control systems on on separators. And so, Will, why don't we start with you talking big picture? So if I'm if I'm zoomed out on a uh, an oil and gas well site, where uh, where does liquid level control fall in, in upstream production? Okay. I would say that it falls on the separation side. You are bringing in your emulsion that you're producing, and then you have to separate it out from there. So a liquid level controller is extremely important because it is helping you maintain the liquid levels in those vessels. And that's helping you with things like retention time. It's helping you get all of your the entrained gas out of your emulsion. It's helping the, the oil and the water to separate out. And it's also helping control where each of those individual things are going. And so if we don't have good level control, then we can send oil to the water tanks. We can send water to the oil tanks. And we just end up with pretty good mess. Or we can overfill a vessel. It can, it can be a really big headache if you're having issues with a level controller. So uh, drilling down just a little bit, um, in the separation process, are, are these on? What types of equipment are these on? Either a two-phase or a three-phase separator, something that's a piece of equipment, a tank that's separating out your oil and gas and water emulsion. Okay, so... What are some of the common challenges that you, your customers are seeing? So oftentimes you mentioned oil and water, water and oil. Um, so either with the process in general, 
kind of troubleshooting or uh, even drilling down to the product itself, a level controller? I can uh, take this if you want me to. The biggest thing we're seeing from a from a sales department is is um, different end users are starting to use different applications as far as whether it's horizontal, vertical, uh, bigger separator unit, uh, smaller separation. And so the biggest the biggest thing for us that we need to capture is communication, making sure that when an end user or supply store calls us, we get the full grasp of of the application. That way we can set up the level controller with exactly what you need before we ship it out. It used to be vertical. Now it's becoming more normal to be horizontal and bigger screen, uh, bigger displacer. And so we just need to make sure from our angle that communication is open. Uh, we get the full grasp of, of what you're trying to accomplish uh, and how you're trying to accomplish it. Do you guys know what's behind that? Some of those changes as far as why vertical to horizontal I think Will and I had a customer, and when it came to why they went horizontal instead of vertical, it was cost. They could buy two 48-inch separation units for the price of one of their bigger ones, right. so they went to those those smaller separation units. All right, so I want to talk specifically now about some of the opportunities that, that customers experience with their level controllers, existing level controllers. Uh, and some of the ways that we've seen the Gen 3 uh, helping address some of those some of those opportunities or challenges. So one um, that we have here is is the pilot itself, and that tends to be a thing that you have to repair, replace um, on your level controller. So why why is that such a high priority piece, Will? So your pilot is the main it's the main part, it's the heart of the level controller. And so if you have an issue with the pilot, you're going to have an issue across the board. And so the pilot is subject to whatever supply gas you're giving it. And so if it's supply gas from the well, if it's got moisture in it, if you get any kind of, uh, if it's got some, some trash or debris in it, a little piece of Teflon tape can sometimes mess it up. And so the the pilot is having to see all of that and process whatever supply gas that it's seeing. And so that's usually when problems happen over time. There's, it has small elastomers in there that, that can get brittle and crack over time. And if those elastomers aren't in good shape, then the pilot's not going to do its job. And so that is, that's a maintenance item that will need to be either repaired or replaced down the road. And so the nice thing about the Gen 3 is that it's a little bit easier to remove than most other level controllers out there. And all you really need to do is bleed the pressure off from your pilot. So you'd remove your supply gas. You can either install a ball valve there on your tubing to make it easier, or you can just unthread it or turn your turn your regulator off. There's multiple ways of doing that. And then verify that you've bled the pressure off of your pilot. And then there's three screws on the top holding that pilot cartridge in and take those three screws out, pull the pilot and put a new one in and Re replace your three screws, put your supply gas back in, you should be good to go. Is that what you see most customers doing is just replacing the pilot? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, because especially on the Gen 2, the Gen 2 pilot was fairly difficult to repair in the field. Um, it was difficult to repair on a tailgate. You're in the wind. It was just easier for customers to have a, a spare pilot. And it's, a, it's much faster too. And that's key with a liquid level controller. If you're in the middle of production and you can't shut the well in, 
you can't shut down for 30 minutes to an hour while you repair a pilot, but you can turn it off for five minutes, you know, depending on your, your flow rate conditions and all that. But so, uh, out of my ignorance, what happens if you, what, when you, when you shut it down for five or 10 minutes, is it just well pressure building? So your, whatever liquid level that, that, that controller is controlling will just continue to rise and there's nothing now there's nothing telling that dump valve to open to lower that level down and so it'll just keep rising and rising until you overpressure the vessel which is most likely what'll happen um, most guys in the field it's called a pop-off it's a pop-off valve it's a safety relief valve that's set at a certain pressure that it's the safety valve that's what it is and so if the vessel overpressures then you will set off the pop-off and it uh, it's a little bit nerve-wracking the first, loud, right? first couple times <laughs> it happens to you. It, it sounds like a, a gunshot or a bomb going off and it makes you question your existence for about a half a second. And then you look around and everybody looks at one another with their eyes wide open. and Like, is this heaven? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, did we just blow up? And... Uh, but then you realize what it is, and you plug your ears and walk away, and it's good to go. Ryan, Hopefully you, nobody panics. Ryan, you heard one of those? Oh, yeah. Will and I have heard one together. Mm. I imagine you hugged each other. Yeah, it's a pretty funny story. Uh, I won't name the group that was with us, but <laughs> Will and I were uh, walking on location. We had about 10 guys with us, and uh, Will and I ventured off about 15 foot from the group, and we're looking at a couple different back pressure valves. And uh, all of a sudden it popped off and Will and I looked at each other and we were good to go. And, and uh, we turned around and looked at the other 10 guys and uh, they had sprinted, jumped over the barrier and got off location. And they were scared to death. They were 40 yards away from us mm. when we looked up. <laughs> and they had, and one of the, I'm not going to mention who this was, was uh, a, a few years older than we were. And the fact that this person cleared the barrier, I mean, I just assume it was like a, a high school hurdler yeah. is what it looked like. Just just put it this way. This guy hasn't moved that fast in 40 years. Yeah. So I mean, it'll scare you. It was a good time. So eventually, it, so pop-off valve goes off. Mm-hmm. What if you don't pay attention? I mean, what if nobody's there? Depends on the location. Nowadays, a lot of the, a lot of your major operator, your uh, larger operators are going to have remote control. So if that happens, they can close a valve upstream of the vessel and stop the flow coming in. And then once the pressure is relieved off enough, then that the spring that's in that pop-off valve will close it. And so, but if it's more of an old school location, then it's going to sit there and just go until somebody comes out there and shuts a valve or... I assume if, I mean, this is like worst case scenario, but I assume eventually the, all the gas bleeds off and it could be liquid coming out of there. I don't know. It could. Never I mean, seen that before. I haven't just because most of the, there's so many, there's so many safety measures in place now that there's so much redundancy that if this goes off, then this is triggered to close. And if this is triggered to close, then this is triggered to send this signal. And it's usually the pop off bleeds the pressure. It closes and then, everything's shut down and they're getting alarmed somewhere, but it's usually safe at that point with all of the modern controls that we have nowadays, but, uh, it's still a little nerve wracking. It's, uh, it's fun. Uh, I don't really want to hear it. I'll, I'll YouTube it later. Maybe. 
Um, all right. So the first one was we talked about removing the pilot and just how easy that can be mm-hmm. uh, with this new Gen 3. A second one is is stocking an inventory for, for the different versions of uh, level controllers you need. Ryan, do you have a good feel for that? You want to talk about that one? Yeah, I think we set ourselves up for success. Uh, as, a, as a company, as a team, we did not want to release a product that uh, built a lot of momentum. And then we did not have enough inventory to keep up with demand. On initial release, we set a stock that we were comfortable with to be able to take care of our customers. And then we also set a safety stock monthly for what we want to replace and where we think we're going to have growth. And so from a, from a standpoint of inventory, we're sitting pretty as a company and we can continue to monitor that, continue to change that uh, safety, safety stock um, based on what our demand is and go up um, from there as, as, as we grow it. Yeah, that's, that's such an important conversation that, especially on the manufacturing side, like, okay, how are we going to get this to our customers, making sure that we have good uh, supply of inventory? Because over the last few years, especially since the pandemic, that's, that's uh, been a huge question uh, across the industry. Um, and then on top of, on top of having that inventory, will this, this, if you're, if you're a producer who stocks inventory on your end, uh, this particular model uh, can be used for side mount and back mount, right? Because it's a, a designed to be used in both those ways. That's correct. The Gen Three, the it's a smaller case. It's just a it's a smaller overall package, and so it actually fits in the same space as a Gen Two back mount did. And so, before you had one of the nice features about the Gen Two that the Gen Three carries on is that you can use you can operate in snap or throttle with the same pilot. So you don't have to stock multiple pilots for your control valves. And so that was really nice about the Gen 2. It's also that way about the Gen 3. The Gen 3 pilot will control snap and throttle. It fits in smaller spaces. And so the only ones that you have to stock now are is a side mount. And a bonus to that is how easy it is to change from right hand to left or vice versa. It only takes three to five minutes to swap over from one to the other. So you could technically just stock one. Or if you need a right hand and we only have left, you can order left and change them out in a few minutes on the tailgate. That's that's happened to me on a couple of different field installs that we've done. There was a bit of confusion on which, which side they needed a right, they needed a left, and they ended up getting the opposite. And so it was not a problem at all. Pulled them out of the box and with two tools, we changed them around in five minutes. I think going back to, uh, if I can, going back to inventory, I think just adding a, an extra bonus to that as well is, is we are a manufacturer yeah. um, compared to some of our uh, competitors. Yeah. And so, whereas if, if supply chain messes up, obviously there's still a, there's still a bit of supply chain uh, for us to get our parts in uh, to manufacture, but we, we take uh, a lot of that that away uh, being our own manufacturer and, and we do a good job supply chain wise to make sure we have multiple vendors um, and so we're able to whatever inventory we're, we need we're able to do that without having to wait on others yeah that's a great point uh, yeah I've, I've talked to customers before who've said you guys are more than a, a sales rep I like I feel like you guys are manufacturing reps like you you can you have direct access to manufacturing which is super super helpful mm-hmm 
Yeah, I think, I think, you know, obviously it's a big manufacturing, can't turn on a dime, but I think, you know, as changes, changes are needed, we're able to uh, move some things here and there and, and, and push it through for a customer. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, third pain point here is, uh, has to do with the, the paraffin cleanout port. Will, can you talk about the importance of that, what that's used for? Sure. So sometimes in operations you have, you'll get some kind of buildup underneath the displacer arm, whether that be sand, whether that be paraffin. It's usually one of the two. Um, and then obviously if there's something under that displacer arm, then it can't travel down and communicate to the pilot that our level's down. So it'll effectively never dump. Right. And so that has, out of all the training classes and demos and talking with customers, talking with, with guys in the field, the, the cleanout port has by far been the most popular feature. Really? I'll show them that, and they almost get a little bit excited about it, which is kind of funny because it's a level controller. There's, you can only get so excited about <laughs> level controllers. But, uh, but essentially what the reason why they're so excited is because that's removing one of the most labor-intensive parts of that side of maintenance because if you do get buildup in there, what they would have to do in the past is they'd have to blow the vessel down, remove the pressure, make it safe. Then they'd have to have a few guys out there with a pretty good size wrench to unscrew the existing level controller out, pull it out, clean it out, all that good stuff. And then you've got two or three guys putting it back in. And now you can eliminate pretty much all of those extra guys and one guy can do it. And so the one guy can bleed the pressure down, take the clean out port out, and then clean it out the however he sees fit. We've we've seen a lot of different uh, different ideas pop up with how they want to do that, but really that's up to them. We don't have a recommended way of doing that unless it's the the safest way possible. So we're very familiar with this product in this room and and on the call. Uh, we've been talking about it, you know understanding its applications, understanding how it can help oil and gas producers uh, produce more efficiently. It's just starting to get out to our customers and to producers some of that information. And so that's, that's part of why we're, we're talking today. Will's been around it so much, Ryan, that he shared off air that he had a dream about it last night. He was given a demo <laughs> with you and Scott McNeely, and, and he said it went really well. Everybody was excited yeah. about the, the clean-out port. That was great. So... For customers, though, it's always, uh, you know, regardless of if they know the company or not, it's kind of a, a, a leap of faith a little bit or a step of faith of, okay, is this new thing, should, should we incorporate it at our operation? Um, so what have you guys seen? What questions are you able to answer and, and the, the adoption of this new product? Uh, how would you say it's going so far? It's, uh, it's going great. I think, you've got, I think you've got a little bit of time period, um, just like just human nature, like anything else, they've, they've gotten used to the gen two. Mm -hmm. And so they can see the benefits of using it, but they're so used to the gen two that they're a little hesitant. Um, and we, we see as a sales team daily that, that one by one, those guys are starting to change over. And once they put one out, you know, they're calling us back within a few weeks and, and, uh, letting us know how great it is. And, and so it's just getting the last step is getting those guys that have, that have uh, used the Gen 2 forever to try out the Gen 3, and, and we've, we've had every customer happy so far. If, if you're on the fence, if you have any problems, if you have any questions, uh, get with your local Kimray team, 
um, get connected with a salesman. We can we can answer those questions. We can walk you through it, and we can even get out there on location with you, and and help you that that first initial one to make sure everything goes good. Yeah, you guys are sharing a story off air. Maybe you could you could tell now about um, customer orders a Gen three ready to take that step, but uh, we didn't have as much communication as as we needed. And so when they got it out there installed, uh, take it from there. Will what happened? So we we had a communication mishap across the board and we didn't realize that their specific app for their specific application they needed a larger displacer and so when we were trying the standard displacer it wasn't able to sense interface the way that we needed it to and so the controller wouldn't do its job and so we ended up after a long stint of working through and getting all the information we put our larger displacer in there and ran it, and it was great. We got it. We got it to do exactly what they wanted it to do. And um, I actually talked to those guys last week, and still going great. They they got three more last week, and are wanting to do more going forward. So Ryan, based on that experience, uh, what what would you want to tell customers or ask ask of customers if they're looking to to, to make this change? I would, I would say, uh, like I said earlier, communicate with your sales team. I think if it's your first time uh, ordering a Gen 3 uh, and you have any questions or you have a, a different application what, than what you know is normally used, get with your sales team, talk about what the application is, what you're trying, what you're trying to accomplish, how you're trying to accomplish it, and uh, let, our due, let us do our due diligence to make sure that, that you're ordering the right thing. Very cool. The, the one that producer Denny and I went out on, uh, Will, is that they installed it, they installed three of them, I think, on some horizontals. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, plugged in now and up and going? They are. Yeah, those are going, those are up and going. And they asked their coordinator or their superintendent when they could replace all of their other level controllers with Gen 3s. That's great. So... We're trying to end each episode now, fellas, with a recommendation, something you would recommend listeners enjoy or learn from. So is there anything in your world, something you read, listened to, watched, heard, uh, that you would say, yeah, this is worth my time. This is really good. I'll go first. I watched a uh, video, I think it was a Bloomberg video, this weekend about lithium production in Chile. And so they went out and and visited one of these uh, mining operations in Chile where they mine for lithium that that is used to make batteries, and uh, man, it was just fascinating to see uh, how they how they pull the elements from the earth and use water, uh, and how it's evaporated, and they have to sift through. And then the guy was asking, like, okay, so do you guys make batteries here? Or is that? And he said, no, it's too. That's a little too risky, and so that's that's done in a very concentrated area of the world. So uh, anyway, as these ongoing conversations about energy and how we get energy to power the modern world are happening, I think it's just really important and interesting to see, okay, how does electricity work? Okay, how do batteries work? Like my kids are asking me a lot of these these questions now. So anyway, that's a really good video. We'll link in the in the description. Hmm. Take your time. I feel like your your connection's not great now, Ryan. Let's see. Movies. Guardians of the Galaxy three. Is that the new one? Yeah. Okay. Pretty good. All right. I liked it. Three so. out of three? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I'm back, guys. I'm back. I lost you for a second. All right. So to catch you up, Ryan, I endorsed a, a video about 
mining for lithium. Will endorsed Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I endorsed tennis. Mm. Didn't see that one coming. You want to elaborate or just tennis? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the last thing ten- uh, the, last, tennis. the last thing Spangler said was tennis. <laughs> you hear- <laughs> Sorry, Ryan. Have a good time, brother. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. We will have links to the resources that we mentioned in this episode. A lot of Gen 3 stuff, as well as um, the videos and other things we've recommended in the show notes. And we'll catch you next time on Stuff You Should Know About Oil and Gas Production.